Pearl Fisher, we create the most powerful and loved brands, challenges and icons. We release the potential of new brands and nurture the specialness of established brands. Challenger and iconic brands who dare to creatively disrupt or visually distill are those that are most likely to win. Jonathan Ford, creative partner at Pearl Fisher, speaks to the brand owners who have used creativity to dare to be different, who have addressed their fears and taken the risks that have enabled them to reap the benefits of success. Here, Jonathan speaks to Richard Fine, CEO at Help Remedies, the US brand taking the pharma world by storm. Well, today we're uh, really fortunate to um, have the opportunity to speak to Richard Fine, who is one of the founders of Help Remedies, which is a challenger brand uh, really um, taking on a new dimension of communication in the pharmaceutical sector in America. Um, firstly, just wanted to say congratulations, Richard. It's, uh, it's an amazing story, which we're looking forward to hearing you talk about. And um, it seems to have really taken off since you started in 2008, which must have been one of the most interesting times to launch a brand. Thank you very much, Jonathan. So um, I've read a little bit about uh, when you started Help Remedies. It began as uh, what we seem to uh, understand as a passion project, a response to a personal mistrust or confusion in the over-the-counter products and uh, sector. Uh, did you have a reason for really specifically caring about wanting to challenge the existing pharmaceutical market, or was it more that the great creative opportunity presented itself to you, first of all? I think the idea had been around for a while. Um, you know, I was interested in the in the sector, maybe in part because of family reasons. My parents are both professors of medicine, and I I, I don't think that that's irrelevant to all of this. But I I uh, when I first arrived in America, I remember having sort of typical immigrant experience of going to a store and trying to get something and just uh, seeing things sort of with fresh eyes. I remember looking and thinking it was just a total mess in the U.S., worse than in the U.K. Um, and I, I, that experience stuck with me and I had various conversations with it over the, about it over the years. Um, and I've seen various data suggesting it was the hardest category to shop in my old life as well. So it was sort of a, uh, it's not like there was a, a moment where I decided that, uh, this all came to me in a fully formed way. Um, it was a, a process that uh, myself and my business partner and others, you know, uh, thought about and, uh, over the course of quite a long period of time. Um, in terms of something that we were passionate about, I would say that we, when we started, we had a somewhat superficial sense of, 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 of the problems in the category. I think we saw that it was quite ugly and it was confusing to look at and those kinds of things. And I think that, that was really where we started was uh, quite an aesthetic point of view. Um, but I, I think the, the interesting thing and the reason why I think we've sort of grown is because the aesthetic issues that we were that we were sort of glottoning onto um, reflect sort of deeper problems. You know, it looks complicated because it is complicated. There's people taking a lot of different ingredients in lots of products, most of which they are only barely aware of and probably don't need. Um, and these ingredients, are, I don't just mean sort of extra stuff, I mean drugs, so various drugs that they may or may not need. And then there's a lot of sort of 
uh, putting racing stripes on pills to make it look go faster and those kinds of things. So I think we, we became more, our view that it needed to be simpler and better uh, both evolved and became stronger over time versus us having some uh, moment at the beginning where we just decided that this was how we were going to change things. That wasn't how it happened, I suppose. Okay. So as you were getting into it, um, did you feel that then, therefore, a fundamental belief evolved um, very shortly as you were getting into the, the, the launch of health remedies? Um, you know, often when people believe in something passionately, it helps them sort of overcome obstacles and fears that are in their way. Uh, did you feel as you were launching the brand that you were really onto something, or did it become clearer then as that journey progressed? definitely became clearer as the journey progressed. I mean, I, one thing I say to people who start businesses is, or are interested in starting businesses um, is uh, just understand that you're going to, you know, your views are going to evolve and change as you go. And uh, I would always sort of tell people to, as far as you can, just start, don't go crazy at the beginning. Just try and start small and do a, do something initial uh, where you sort of test the water and begin to see how you're feeling. Um, certainly from, from my perspective, uh, the way I got myself over my fears was basically by not going too crazy at the beginning. I didn't go and raise millions of dollars the first time we started and do everything. I was uh, very lucky my old company sold and I had a little bit of money to do something different. And so I, I started very small and I did prototypes. We did like 5,000 units. Um, just myself and my business partner that we could we could afford to do, and we just sort of put it out there and see what saw what happened. Now we did have views about how medicine should be different and simpler and friendlier, and we had some of those perspectives just forming, but we didn't, you know, uh, in the end, if it had failed, it wouldn't have been the end of the world. And I I think that that's important for people to realize is if you start a business. If you have a view of how things should be different, start with that view. See if you can do a version of that at the beginning. You can do quickly. It's one important thing, and then without too much expense, and uh, see how that feels. And it felt right to us, like we were doing the right kinds of things, and felt like people understood what we were trying to do. And then we sort of built on it from there. We, you know, in '08, we really started very, very small. It wasn't until '09 that we, we actually sort of started it to be a, a real business. So what I'm getting from that is, is that you were kind of um, quite. Uh... Well, smart with the kind of the idea you had. You were uh, nimble with the kind of resources around you, and uh, and and as your vision was becoming clearer, um, it allowed you to kind of adapt, basically, with um, to the, the various kind of uh, situations that presented themselves to you. Did you ever find that there was like a, a major obstacle that was getting in your way, or was this kind of nimble way of kind of entering the market and changing the category language, um, was it just kind of working for you as a result of this nimbleness, smart thinking, and adaptability? Look, I, I think anyone who starts a business, I don't know, maybe this is maybe there are people who, for whom they just sort of, it, it was effortless at every step. Anyone who starts a business and gets it to any size, I think, ends up being able to tell you stories about how it nearly went under at various points, and I certainly have my fair share of those. Um, uh, you know, to, to some, some obvious ones are, I think we just had no conception of what was going to happen when we went to a major retailer. The first time we went to a major retailer, and I'll spare the name of the, the retailer, um, other than to say that we now have a great relationship with them and are in all their stores. Um, 
we win, and I honestly think we had nothing. We're just some pictures of an idea. And I think we went, and I honestly thought they were going to say, yes, this is just brilliant. You're right. We've been doing this all wrong. And, you know, here's a multi-million dollar purchase order. Um, when can you get this into my, this fantastic idea into my stores? And unsurprisingly, they laughed us out of the room. Uh, and it was sort of crushing at the time. And retrospectively, I think Nathan and I both laugh about it. It's like how unbelievably naive we were and how we, we couldn't have shipped 50 stores at that point. I mean, we had no idea what we were doing. And I, they, they had no business saying yes. You know, even they didn't like it and they didn't want it. But even if they had, they could never, you know, we would have been a disaster. So I, at the time, that felt very crushing. Like, we would, oh god, we're gonna have to slog through this and start small on all the things we have to do. But it's just sort of life. Um, uh, and and just and there's yeah, as I said, I I I'm, they did the right thing. <laughs> they weren't wrong. Um, and then I I think more more you know raising money. It was very easy at the beginning, and then there was a huge financial crisis. Um, and then it was more difficult. Um, as uh, our round dissolved around us, but it, you know, we managed to solve that as well. Um, and then, you know, just on a continual basis, there are always things that come up that feel like they could be very, very serious for us, but we just sort of manage through them. Um, and I'm sure that will continue. I don't, I don't yeah, I, I think it probably will. It's the way of the world at the moment. But uh, because when you presented um, Help Remedies to the World, it had a very different um visual language you used design to speak to people in in a new way you've already talked about simplifying the category decluttering it um, and design played a really what a conscious and strategic role in kind of elbowing out um, sort of the competitors or creating your own space is probably the sort of the way to describe it uh, it's very difficult to obviously elbow out kind of some of the giants that play in your category but you've certainly made an impact do you, did you ever get any criticism from the established pharma brands that have been around for a while from you? Did you ever feel like that at all? Was there any noticeable kind of criticism of what you were trying to do? I think we're more likely to get that now than in the past. We're just starting to, you know, we've been on people's radar uh, for a little while in terms of like interesting creative brand doing interesting stuff. Um, but I think uh, we, we're just now heading out of that realm of sort of niche to, oh, goodness, this could actually start stealing viable shelf space. Um, so I, I uh, you know, if the monsters are coming, they're coming soon versus in the past. Um, have we faced criticism? Yeah. I mean, you know, some retail, you know, one of our big sort of views is that we think that uh, the category needs less, that there's a lot of more extra, bigger, faster, stronger, and that what we really need is some moderation and simplicity. And that's a message that is both anathema to most of, to frankly, all our competitors and to some degree to retailers because, you know, our, you know, our philosophy of take less isn't exactly, at least if you look at it one way, isn't exactly amenable to selling more. Um, so we, we, we get a little bit of, we get dinged for that in various ways. Um, but I, you know, I think that, at the same time, uh, the smart retailers and others understand that that's a perspective that needs to needs to be reflected for various consumers, and you know it's a part. It's going to be a part of the category, even if that's not how the world is now. 
Um, I think they can see that there's a, a value in having that voice represented as well. So having a philosophy like that, does mm-hmm. that, um, uh, you know, clearly that's kind of counterintuitive to, as you've already pointed out, to retailers and to the brands that are operating in that, mm-hmm. in that sector. Um, are there anything else about the sector that kind of, as you've got into it, that, that effectively disturbs you, that kind of concerns you, and that you're translating into um, your, your brand message or the way you behave? Um, in terms of the, you know, there's lots of about the category that we don't like. And I think we both started at those sort of superficial things and then into the sort of deeper issues around giving people higher doses than they need often and giving people uh, more ingredients than they sometimes realize they're taking. I think none of those things are good. But I, I do, I always strive to make sure people understand that we are incredibly pro-medicine and drugs. I, uh, I, I think that sometimes that message, I've worried sometimes that message can get lost. Um, from my perspective, it's, I'm very, very pleased that I live in the early 21st century and I don't die from infections aged 35, um, as was not uncommon 100 years ago. Um, I, I'm incredibly pleased that with all of the things that medicine has given, given the world over the last 100 years, I think it's, you know, one of the great, great human success stories. So I, I'm very pro that sort of, that part of medicine, but I think that what, what's been lost a little bit, especially in its translation to sort of commercial, uh, commercial entities is often a sense of, uh, of proportion and simplicity and those kinds of things. And I, I think the way that medicine often communicates is, is unfortunate. And I, I, you know, in its biggest sense, what I hope we do is, is show people that there's a value in medicine communicating in a different way and also having some values around simplicity. And I hope that even our competitors, even if, you know, I hope they don't rip us off, I hope they take note of, of what we're doing and maybe take it through to, uh, some of their other businesses, their RX businesses and their prescription businesses and, you know, frankly, I'd love someone to look at doctors' offices and think about how they could be designed a little better as well. Mm. I mean, quite often we find that challenger brands um, that start out small and uh, that uh, you know make change and disrupt categories uh, really have a big impact in terms of getting the attention of the, the bigger players, some of the more iconic or mass brands, and uh, and they use design to to do that. And and our view is, is that. Um, that, uh, that over time that you can make a big change by uh, the behavior that a challenger brand brings to the market. But I think that um, one people could, uh, some people could say that uh, Help Remedies is um, a cult brand, a niche brand, and that's evident uh, by uh, the, the design community getting behind it, giving it lots of awards, and it gets talked about um, in, in many uh, design and, and branding circles. And the wit and the humor and the creativity is is very much present and appeals to people. How do you respond to the idea that you're a cult niche brand? Do you think that you are actually providing people with a clear and safer alternative to the other OTC products? Would you like the brand to be more, brought more into a, a mass and wider target uh, audience as well? Um, are you concerned you're not getting into that market? Or, or what's your feeling about that? You know, we struggle with this, like I think a lot of brands who are in our kind of position do. On the one hand, you know, the reason that we, we got such initial traction was because we had such appeal in these, what are trend-setting communities. Um, you know, we, we, we sort of know how to, I want to almost call it like hack that 
that part of media. Like I think we have a good sense of just how to make sure that we get covered in a variety of marketing, trend design, other press press and community. I think we, you know, when we do it by doing interesting stuff, I mean, it's not that difficult. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, and I think what's been nice about our, our national distribution now with Target and Walgreens is that we are uh, we are able to get to a much wider uh, wider set, segment of people. And our intention has always been to be the brand that people who don't like this current category, which is a huge number of people, um, engage with. You know, most people in their 20s and 30s don't have any loyalty to 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 these big giant brands. It's not like you see a lot of people walking around with t-shirts with you know our competitors' names on them because frankly they're not great brands. Um, they might be big successful businesses, but they're not great brands. And for us, there's every opportunity to be both from a product side the simpler, better alternative, but also from a brand side to be a simpler, better brand for 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 a huge swath of people. So we've never designed this to be uh a niche product. It's meant to be a very mass, very accessible product. Nothing offends me more than when we get called luxury medicine because we are not luxury priced. We are less expensive um, on most places than, than 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 our competitors in most of these categories. But uh, and that's our purpose is to be a, a very accessible, broad uh, broad brand. We do try and get there. Um, you know, time will tell how how successful we are at doing that. But certainly it. it in the markets where we've been for some time, New Northeast and the United States, uh, you know, we do see pretty broad adoption. You know, we're a, uh, I think it's a secret to say we're number one in, in sleep category in New York. We're a, you know, we, we have real brands in real high volume, uh, sort of, uh, you know, we, we, we do very well in, in, uh, in, in regions where we've been for a while. You know, we've got to, it's got to take time to get there nationally, but I think it's not impossible to see us doing that over the next couple of years. So uh, one of the things that uh, is endearing about the Health Remedies brand is, is humor. Um, you find it um, as you engage with the actual packaging and uh, as you get into it. And uh, communications is a, is a big uh, part of the way that you uh, propagate your message using humor. Um, but obviously, it's a serious issue, you know, some of the things that you're dealing with, you know, ailments. Um, and um, I just wanted to talk to you about that. Um, do you believe in the power of humor to make a strong point? Why do you go down the humorous route? Is there a conflict with you know, when you're using humor when there are quite serious issues? You know, I I think that there's a it's important to understand there are two people behind help. There's a there's me who's the sort of business and strategy end of the business, um, and there's Nathan who's a copywriter writer by train by training and. He, we represent slightly different tensions within help. So I probably push more on the side for simplicity and stripped down and those kinds of things and taking on some of the category elements that he probably pushes more to make sure that we do things in a fun way and be the uh, right in a more interesting way about what we're saying. Um, and I think that that tension, you know, funny and simple don't necessarily go together and sometimes they act in, con- you know, in, in conflict. So writing funny lines on a package takes up space and it can reduce the you know simplicity of the of the design so you have to sort of you know balance these two imperatives and that's that's part of what we do so i i think it 
without the humor, it would be a very boring brand. Um, you know, we would have been called like Simple Healthcare Headache Edition or something. Um, and it would have been a terrible, boring brand and no one would have cared. You sort of need both of those elements to me to make it work. Um, I think one thing which I, I'm always interested because there's such a big design community, I think we get written about as a design brand quite often. And in some ways we have more right to be written about as a writing brand. There just isn't that community quite in the same way. Um, you know, Nathan is a, is a brilliant writer to me and I think our voice is, is genuinely very different from what other people do. It's not just that it's funny. Um, I think the, the, the bits that are good, the, the bits that really work to me are the ones that are a little off kilter as well. And that, um, that, that take us, uh, into almost a slightly dangerous territory. I always, I always think that that's when our message is most interesting, when it, when it feels a little bit, uh, I can't believe they just said that. Um, and I think that we do a nice job of that, um, uh, most of the time. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, from what I can uh, tell from knowing you both and, uh, what you can see in, in other areas where the status quo is, uh, is challenged by creative behavior, sometimes the, um, the, the, the creative playoff between two minds actually sort of leads towards a more singular vision that advances itself. But because of this aesthetic that you've got and this, uh, unique tone of voice, do you worry that, um, that you're not taken seriously at all? At times? No. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I mean, I think about, I'm trying to think about it. No, I, you know, uh, I don't, it was, a, it was, a, there was a time when I, we worried about it. When you first started the business, we actually did first aid products as well as drug products because we were concerned that people would freak out about taking drug products from this brand that was called Help and it was, uh, you know, all these funny funny sort of lines and this totally new style of design, this totally new conversation in healthcare just would feel too strange to people. And I think what we've just learned is people don't worry about drugs at all. I mean, we've had our drug products generally do much better than our first aid products. Not always, and lots of caveats to that, but uh, people don't mind. And even quite serious drugs, we are totally fine, and people seem to be totally comfortable with taking out taking our products. So I, I've I think we used to think about that, but I don't worry about that at all anymore. Um, you know, the, the reality is in, a, in the right context, i.e. a drugstore or a Target or wherever it would be, people basically rightly come with the expectation that you've been vetted, and you have. I mean, you just, you're not going to get into that place unless you have a good source of supply, that you've got the regulations done. You just don't, you know, the, the people rightly pick up on the fact that you wouldn't be there if you weren't a legitimate company. Um, and... Uh, so I, I've, I don't worry about that so much. In terms of just as a sort of abstract level, I think that's the, the incredibly damaging thing which happens in this category, which is like these are serious issues. So we've got to talk about this in a serious way. Um, I, I don't agree with that at all. I, I think that the – I don't understand why this huge portion of our lives, which is healthcare, which uh, it's 20% of U.S. GDP now, is is cordoned off as well. That is – that's that's got to be ugly and, and unfriendly. Like that that part of our lives is bad. So we've got to make sure that like tonally, that's from the design or the copy or just the experience of it in general. You know, we're going to make sure that we don't think too much about that. Um, and I think I don't understand why that would how that sort of evolved. Um, but I think it it's totally wrong. And I'm I'm pleased that we are in a very small way trying to push against that. 
Okay. Whilst we're on this, this sort of subject of um, brands that are doing good, Innocent Drinks, which is a well-known smoothie brand in, in the UK, launched as a challenger brand about 10 years ago, and they had this essence of nothing but nothing but fruit as their brand truth. And um, they were then acquired by Coca-Cola, and um, they were being, I think, victims to some of the uh, market forces that you've just been describing. People reevaluate things when times get tough, and we know that after 2009, Innocent Smoothies took a big hit. Coca-Cola, uh, they're now in partnership with Coca-Cola. What's your thoughts um, about this type of growth and um, dependency on potentially being acquired to actually grow and become uh, a national or maybe an international brand? What would you do if you were approached by, say, Pfizer or one of the big global brands? You know, we try very, very hard not to think about that stuff um, just because I think it makes you... I think it, it, it makes people think about the wrong kinds of things, um, at least internally. So what I what I try what we try and do is make the changes that we think are necessary within the category that exists. Um, you know, I don't know the innocent situation, but if they had a view about something they needed to to sort of to spread more broadly um, in terms of a global footprint, and they weren't able to do it themselves, and I, I you know applaud that sort of lateral thinking on different ways of getting there. Um, so, I, 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 you know, in that case, I don't have enough information to, 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 to sort of say. I, from our perspective, I think what we're trying to do is shout as loudly as we can in the category, you know, it doesn't have to be this way. You can, there is a different way of thinking about things because I think uh, right now it's everybody's chasing after the same in the same direction around sort of more and faster and quicker and more stuff in there and bigger, louder. And, and I think that I don't think it's going to be need much for some for people to register that there are just different ways of thinking about this. Um, so I, I try and have both the people internally and, 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 and everybody else really focus on that. Um, you know, I, I don't, I really do try not to think about uh, anything beyond that. Yeah. Well, It'll be an interesting uh, challenge as, as, as success uh, continues to build for you. And, of course, we, we, we hope that happens. Uh, talking of which, uh, you know, we're, we clearly think that uh, brands like Help Remedies are, are challenger brands. And uh, for us, our view is, is that challenger brands are the ones which bring about change and progress. And, uh, and ultimately, they have the potential to become you know, iconic over time. You, the obvious ones like Google and and Apple are kind of widely quoted as iconic brands, but they all started out changing things and using design and communication to really create a new way of engagement that people hadn't necessarily thought they had needed at the time and, in fact, continue to be involved as challenger behavior as they are the undisputed icons uh, you know, globally that they, that they have become. So my question to you is, do you see um, help as a challenger brand? And would you like help to be thought of as a pharma C brand icon one day? You know, I think we're obviously challenging the, the sort of the norms of the category. So I, I think, yes, in the definition that you're going, I think we definitely are a challenger brand. Um, 
I think that we do have ambitions to be a sort of archetype within our own right. And if that's the right way of thinking about a sort of iconic brand, I, I, you know, I, I think that is, you know, whereas I, I really do try and hope that people who work with us don't have the ambition to get bought by somebody, I do hope they have the ambition to make something that uh, stands for something and stands a sort of test of time. Um, you know, we're not trying to just do something for a year or two. I mean, I, my, my, our intent is to build something that has a, has a sort of compelling, uh, a compelling uh, sort of perspective on the category and on the way things should be that others can others can learn from and that we internally can take to other places. Um, you know, that's the that is the the goal that I do feel comfortable sharing with people. Now, you know, in reality, we plan for the next couple of years and how we can get through those. Um, but I do try and whenever we hire people or, or bring people in, I do try and explain to them that the goal is to take this perspective about. You know, making healthcare simpler and friendlier to a to a uh, uh, to to the highest degree that we can get it to. So simplification, uh, which is what we're talking about there, is is one of your key visual aesthetics and and messages. Would you like to see more simplification in other categories aside from pharma? We're living in a world of too much choice. Do would, where else would you like to see that take place? It's an interesting question because I, Nathan and I sort of joke about this. You know. Yes, health is about simplification because it needs to be in our categories, like pharma and other things. Um, but I, I don't, I suppose in my life, I don't really think of myself as totally obsessed with simplicity and, and, and clarity. I think quite often, um, I love detail and richness and, uh, you know, and, and complexity. And I think those are, those are wonderful values if you look at them in the right sort of context. So I, I, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want a Spartan minimalist home. That's not my aesthetic at all, um, on a sort of personal level. So I, I do, uh, I, you know, I'm very pleased that health is becoming sort of known and it has an aesthetic that people identify. But I sometimes wish people would sort of see, uh, <laughs> sometimes that they, I think the values, the aesthetic values that we have as a company and our view of how medicine should be different, um, those are slightly different to my own personal aesthetic choices. And I think, um, I, 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 yeah, there are some categories where I, I don't think that that's what's more of that is needed. I just happen to think that in these categories, in healthcare in particular, and I think that goes not just pharma, but goes across into a lot of different sort of aspects of healthcare. I think that it happens to be both the values and the sort of aesthetic that's needed, but I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't tell that I'm not a voice for simplicity in the universe. Like I think there are, there are some people who are, and I, I, Slightly, slightly more, uh, uh, slightly more schizophrenic than that. Okay, so um, we're coming to the end of this, this uh, conversation, and uh, I was just wondering now, on a personal level, about the types of brands that you uh, really admire, um, or if not a brand, a, a person that keeps you um, motivated. You know, I think we probably look. There are companies that we look to for practical as practical guides of how to do things and, you know, that have similar kinds of values and that we, we I always look at and, and sort of see what they've done. I mean, they, these are all much more successful and bigger brands than us at this point, older as well, but, you know, the methods and the innocence and the, you know, all those kinds of kinds of brands, I obviously look at and see what how they did things and take an interest in that. But I think the ones that we, you know, we do try and model ourselves probably to be a little bit different from those guys. Um, you know, I think from a copy perspective, 
I don't know if you know the brand Dr. Bronner's, but that is a really weird, crazy brand that we uh, love. And uh, we love the, the totally, I mean, it's completely real in this case. The guy was insane. But I know that both Nathan and me admire the, the stratospherically strange stuff that is written all over those bottles. Um, uh, it was one of our greatest Greatest compliments was when a, a consumer referred to us as the Dr. Bronner's of healthcare. Um, it, it's, so we, we, we look at some pretty odd brands on the copy side. We think do a really interesting job of crazy, interesting copy. I think when I think about fantastic marketing, I think about, or not marketing, I, or just fantastic sort of culture surfing, I think about Marc Jacobs as just a, a brand that does things so brilliantly and their, you know, when I think about their windows and how innovative their windows are on an ongoing basis, it makes me want to rent a window and see what we could do every, every, every four weeks. So I, I, I try and model ourselves probably on, you know, there are those case studies of brands that I think everybody in the marketing and design community loves and you, I, you, I, you know, I'm, I'm definitely okay for those, but we do probably try and look a little bit outside those for, 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 sort of uh, inspirational ones that we really look up to. Another one, you know, I think for retail experience, things like Uniqlo, just that how that feels and how different that store was. Uh, I, 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 you know, we, we really admire some of those things as well, along with the sort of big ones that you everybody would know. Okay. And, uh, I mean, certainly, I, you know, I've seen a lot of the um, activity that you've done with your some of your um, in brand experiences, the shop windows that you've done where you've had – People sleeping in the shop windows and so on. It's it's uh, it's been a great way of getting across your brand message. So I can see how that's translated into into the things that you've been doing. What, what, do you have a other areas where you go for influence beyond the types of brands we've talked about? You know, Nathan picks up some weird stuff. <laughs> so I could say, like, uh, I'm not even sure if I should say these things, but we receive. I don't know if you've ever been on a subway and you've got one of the chick books, which are these crazy uh, illustrated books, which, uh, like, you burn in hell um, kinds, of, kinds of books. Um, those books are uh, the, the illustrative style of those and the, the, uh, the copy style are, again, things that I promise you lie in our office and get referred to. So I think we, we go to – I think we, we do try and go to sort of places that are, that are not the typical – uh, inspiration sources for these kinds of things. Um, that's our, uh, you know, our, our process is to try and try and look for really odd things and see if we can bring in the kind of compelling aspects of those to our marketing. Great. So um, one of the things I, I, I know about you is that before you started uh, Help Remedies, you used to consult on product development, which means you must have had a, you know, been exposed to a lot of thinking about potential new opportunities, innovation, and Products for, for markets and categories. Um, I guess pretty, probably the question is, is if you, if you hadn't done health remedies or if it hadn't succeeded, what else would you have considered doing? Still might not succeed. <laughs> so I don't want to, don't want to get to, uh, we're not there. Um, you know, we, we've grown and we're, uh, we, we're doing well, but I, I, I never want to say that we've succeeded at this point. Um, you know, I, I, had I not done help, we would definitely have, done another sort of product area. It happened to be the one that I was most interested in, and so I, we really prioritized it. But we did absolutely have uh, 
you know, I still have sort of interesting little ideas for other areas, but none of them to me felt as big. Like this was always to me the category that like we had other sort of individual ideas that were to me small and interesting and, and sort of, you know, like a, a sort of small category. But to me, the, the great thing about healthcare is that it's so big and it's so bad. And I, I sort of can feel, you know, it sounds terrible, but I feel relatively good about what we do. And I feel like it, it's an important category that someone does something better in. And I think just showing that you can do interesting things there has a value uh, that, that extends, you know, into sort of other healthcare categories. So I, I, there was nothing as good as help, let me put it that way. There were a lot of fun little ones, but they never felt as important as that. Great. Well, it's a, it's a great story, and um, I've really enjoyed talking to you today. Uh, I think, as we've already established, and it's, there's a, a, lot of, um, a lot of impact that you've made, and, uh, and uh, certainly it's been a, a pleasure to watch it, the brand Health Remedies grow in the last uh, you know, three or four years. And uh, I'm sure you're going to go on to uh, achieve uh, much bigger things, which no doubt will uh, present you as a challenger brand with even bigger uh, challenges. But uh, all the indications are that you're uh, really uh, making uh, making headway and really making people rethink about what they need when it comes to the types of products that you have. So on that, uh, good luck with the future. And uh, to you and Nathan, it's been a pleasure having you here today in the Pearl Fisher New York studio. And uh, we look forward to seeing how your brand grows over the uh, coming years. Thank you very much.